0: Thank you.
4: I put it up,
5: Welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program, and it's that time of year again. Mardi Gras is here. And I always reach out to a good friend uh, that I've uh, gotten to know over the years from New Orleans, uh, author C.Q. Scafidi, who uh, is really much better informed about Mardi Gras than I am. Um, Anyway, uh, Chris, welcome to the show.
4: Thank you, Tom. Happy Mardi Gras to you and to your listeners.
5: And I, I never remember the uh, the, the the phrase, uh, what is it in French, let the good times roll?
4: Yes, that's uh, laissez les bon temps rouler. And that's kind of a, an unofficial motto for the city of New Orleans.
5: And and what's interesting about that, we have a, a, a friend in common who passed away uh, recently, uh, Mark Adams, who was from up this way. and lived in New Orleans, played music down there for many years. Every time I saw him after he started living in New Orleans, that was his greeting. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's appropriate. I mean, a
4: lot of you hear it all the time down here. A lot of people don't know what it means, but it's uh, sort of a, the theme, of the, I guess, the way people live down here.
5: Now, what's interesting about Mardi Gras, and, and you and I have talked about Mardi Gras, you've been on the show several times, first to talk about your uh, book, Time Couriers, and, um, and and then we've talked about a, a number of things. The World Trade Center, which was uh, founded in New Orleans, we've talked about Mardi Gras several times, because very often you participate in one of the crews, and I don't think a lot of people even realize how many different organizations are involved in pulling off what we see, you know, 30 seconds of on the on the evening news when uh, Fat Tuesday rolls around. Yes. Yeah, there are dozens and dozens of organizations that make it all happen across the, the region and certainly in the city, but uh, they're all sort of
4: private clubs that they're – go by the term crew, and that's spelled with a K, so it's K-R-E-W-E. And each crew is sort of a club, a social club, I guess, and they come together as a group and put together the actual festivities in terms of the balls that they have very fancy, you know, black tie events that are attended by, you know, elite politicians and celebrities, uh, and they always have, you know, T- uh, excellent music and food and so forth, and they're held around the city. But they also put on the parades that you see on television, and they it's their membership donations and so forth that pay for all of the <coughs> excuse me all of the uh, that go toward you know putting on the the spectacles. And then, of course, as you know, Mardi Gras starts on the sixth of January on the, the Epiphany which is King's Day, I believe, uh, in the Catholic calendar, and it rolls you know, all the way up until the day before Ash Wednesday, which is the beginning of the Easter Lent season, so it, it's a, that's a movable feast, as they call it, so it, you never know, it's going to fall on a different day every year, but the groups that put these, organiza- the organizations that put these parades together, as the day gets closer to Mardi Gras Day, as the you know, day draws nearer, so organizations become more, you know, larger, and the parades, the spectacles get bigger and bigger, and uh, until Mardi Gras Day, which is tomorrow, the 13th, uh, Ash Wednesday being on the 14th, which is also Valentine's Day this year, and uh, the more prestigious crews of the city roll the parades on, you know, Mardi Gras Day, so that's
2: Social aspect to it. So the wealthier,
4: more affluent families, their organizations are at the very end. And uh some of them are so secret that you don't know who is who in terms of the royalty and the court that is on the the uh in the ball and the parade and so forth, they keep it secret.
5: And that's one of the reasons for the masks.
4: Yes. throwback to that exactly. At one point the entire thing was secret and there was it was outlawed uh, by the city for a while because of the crimes that we get committed while people were in masks and then of course there was a big uproar. I can't remember when that, I don't have an exact date for you on that but it was sometime in the, I'm going to say in the 1700s they had a a law against it, masking and then they of course had to bow to public pressure and uh, it was brought back and allowed to turn into what it has today i mean it was celebrated in europe before it came to new orleans and uh the first uh mardi gras was in new orleans in 1699 when the uh, french explorers came and, and landed here And so it's been celebrated in the new world unofficially since 1699 in new orleans but the first true mardi gras celebration was held in mobile alabama
5: there a big, uh... Yeah, it wasn't until, I think, the uh, the 1730s that, that Mardi Gras was celebrated openly in New Orleans. New Orleans officially uh, established in 1718. In and I, I was surprised as I was looking through, I was reading back through some of the, the history of this, and it, it hadn't occurred to me that New Orleans existed and was a big port city before there was even the the, um, the United States. Oh, uh, yes. And it's interesting. Uh,
4: this is our tricentennial year, of course, because we're in 2018 now. So, yeah, this is May 8th of 2018 is the tricentennial of the founding of the city of New Orleans by Bienville and Everville. Um, so it's a... You know, kind of a big Mardi Gras for that reason, because of all the uh, commemoration of the tricentennial events, and um, uh, it's also there's a lot of political satire in Mardi Gras and the parades and so forth. So there's plenty of you know stuff going
5: on in the country for for those <laughs> parades to oh sure to and uh, so that's always
4: fun. Uh, <clears throat> but yes, in answer to your question, the city was you know. Um, to probably one of the largest commercial ports of call, uh, in the, in North America. And, uh, you know, even before the American revolution, uh, the reason being is that they were able because even before 1718, there was a settlement here. Um, yeah. there was a, a big, a fort, uh, they call it Spanish fort here now, uh, Uh, was a a fort right by the opening to the entrance to the Bayou uh, St. John on the lake. And that essentially was what the Indians were able, the natives I should say, uh, showed the uh, French fur traders and the French uh, soldiers how to get to the city from the lake The a back entrance into the city where you didn't have to come up the mouth of the Mississippi River. And that once they discovered that, that's when the City was founded where it is located because of the confluence of the lake, the Bayou St. John, and the river all come together on the highest point, you know, north of the Gulf of Mexico. So, the Indian, the natives, again, were living here because of its proximity to all of those access points and the wealth of uh, wildlife and food sources here in this region. So, um, but yeah. it, it was already a settlement well before 1718. There were people living and uh, Europeans living here. It just wasn't founded as a city until 1718.
5: More of my conversation with author C.Q. Scafidi from New Orleans right after this. Hello,
1: darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark with Tom Sumner.
5: Joe Biden from the Blue Line, Dan
1: Sterling.
3: Congressman Dan Kildee, Alexander Zondrick. actor, comedian Jonah Podi, Woodrow Stanley, U.S. Senator
0: Debbie Stabenow,
3: State Senator Jim Ananik, comedian Brian McCree,
0: unknown comic, Mark
3: Farner, and Tom. I want you to know, Tom's my friend.
4: You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's uh it's that's impressive.
3: Nice to be with
4: you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom. This is my favorite interview all
6: Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection.
5: Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome back, everybody. My guest this hour is uh, author C.Q. Scafidi from New Orleans. Yeah, and 18, um, and and I was surprised, well, I, I wasn't surprised, but it's it's fascinating to read the history, even of some of the crews and um Rex the the King of Carnival um was invented by a group of businessmen in 1872 and some of these uh some of these crews and these uh, organizations these uh little I don't know but private clubs or societies have been around literally for a couple of hundred years or more of
4: all of the organizations. He rolls on Mardi Gras Day, and he's actually considered the king of all Mardi Gras of the whole you know, uh, month, weeks-long celebration. He's considered the king of it. And uh, it's always a very high-profile business leader that's named the king annually and then a debutante from some very well-connected, High society family serves as the queen, and they, uh, they roll Mardi Gras Day, and it's, uh, everyone in it, uh, is essentially, um, probably a, a business leader or a political leader. It's, it's one of the more, um, and, and I think that has to do in, l- in large part, like you said, because it is so old and it's got such, you know, there's a lot of, pro- uh, Prominent people that have been part of it uh, and it, it is a kind of a uh, sort of a pedigree to belong to it, you know, to be invited and to get in and to join. You have to almost have a legacy, like a relative that was in it before you in order to get in. I mean, I don't know. I, I, don't, I mean, I'm not certain of the rules, but it's that exclusive. Right. And uh, throughout the years... <clears throat> Real royalty has come to New Orleans and paid homage to the King of Rex. So that's uh, you know there's other crews and so forth. Uh, uh, as I said, Comus is the other one that doesn't roll a parade, but they they meet at midnight and in, in Mardi Gras. Uh, Rex and Comus with the two courts meet? Um, uh, they've had over the years. Uh, uh, the Russian Grand Duke Alexis Romanov came from Russia to meet a singer that was here performing what's now the official theme of Mardi Gras, and we, that's supposedly where we got the colors for Mardi Gras from that year. But also, um, uh, uh, Edward and, and Mrs. Simpson, the, the, the former King of England, and his uh, the divorce his divorced wife that were. Uh, He abdicated the throne for her in the 1930s in England. Edward VIII and Mrs. Simpson, they came to New Orleans and it was a big deal
5: when they bowed to Rex. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm so embarrassed by this. I've told you about uh, my friends David and Rosalind, who are uh, street performers in New Orleans. She's from here originally, but they've been down there for decades, 50 years or so and when i first started having him on the show and talking about uh, mardi gras they said oh yeah we we always uh, roll with rex and like it was a really big deal and i didn't realize how big a deal that was <laughs> especially for them because they're not you know from a well to do well healed uh, uh, established family but in some ways they are kind of I, I suppose New Orleans uh, royalty of a kind they travel around Europe a lot representing the city and so on
4: sure and and yeah it's interesting how over the years it has kind of loosened a little bit where they've let people in that aren't necessarily like my my sister is married into a family who's, her father-in-law was the king of Rex in 1992 and he was the first king of Rex that was not born in the city of New Orleans. He was born in Baton Rouge, which you know, that was considered a no-no, and they would never allow (laughs) that. But he was such a prominent figure in the city over the years. He became the CEO of Entergy Corporation and he uh, was a a big uh, uh, I guess a uh, factor in saving the World's Fair towards the end in 1984. He's, he's uh, done a lot of public works projects for the city, aside from being the CEO of the, the the local utility company. And so they made an exception for him. He was the very first person to be the king of Rex that wasn't born here. And so over the years, they've become more liberal about who they've let in. And, and uh, I think it's good, you know, because the city, you know, needs... Out, you know It only helps to make things better, I think. And, and uh, uh, now my little nephews can be king <laughs> because <they're, laughs> they've got a grandfather who uh, was king. So it's kind of neat that that might, could possibly happen one day if they ever do join and become
5: members. Oh, that's well, uh, you know, like like we've been saying, it's it's really amazing in, in these different groups some have been around longer than others, but uh, most of them have been around a long time, a hundred years plus. And, and so there is kind of that that sense of being very discriminating. Each club has its own membership and its own uh, rules and and they all come together during Carnival, which as you said was is it like what 40 days? It depends uh, when uh, it
4: starts on the 6th of January every year, which is the King King's Day. Like I said, the epiphany on the Catholic calendar. And it, uh, we celebrate it. They have parades and balls on that day, the 12th night. Revelers put on their parade. Because it's the 12th night of Christmas. And then uh-huh. we have a special cake that they serve called King Cake. And uh, it's the traditional pastry that's got the colors of Mardi Gras with a baby Jesus hidden inside the cake. And... Uh, it's a big, we always have big parties on, so the 6th of January is actually the first day of Carnival, and it's the biggest, you know, uh, celebration leading up to the 12 days that we're in now, the last 12 days of before the Lent, Lenten season begins are, is really kind of the, when you have the most activity with uh, balls and parades and uh, uh, parties and, and so forth, but you're right in what you're saying is that it is very selective. Into, I mean, I couldn't get into Rex if I I couldn't just approach Rex and, oh, I'd like to be a member. They don't. It doesn't work that way. And you have to be recommended by somebody that's already in it. And typically, it's a relative. So, yeah.
5: Apparent- you know, apparently, apparently, yeah. uh, Rex. Uh, presided in uh, over the first daytime parade in 1872 and uh, according to my notes here um, the following year uh, floats began to be constructed entirely in New Orleans instead of France and it was um, the state of uh, Louisiana uh, I think it was Governor Warmoth signed the Mardi Gras Act making Fat Tuesday a legal holiday in Louisiana. Yes. Which, which it That's still is. correct.
4: Yes. Since it, 1875, it's been a legal holiday, which is interesting, you know. Uh, and they, the first float uh, that they ever, it was just a fat, it was a cow, like a bull, a bull's head that they pulled to the street. The first one, and it's interesting because in, Today's the Parade, like tomorrow, the one, uh, well, uh, today. Yeah. Today's uh, uh, the Parade, the uh, book grog can still be seen in the parade. Like, they still roll with the cow. And for whatever reason, the boof, it's the fatted calf. And it goes back to Lent, because Lent starts on Ash Wednesday. And so... Tuesday is your last day to sin as a Catholic. So they roll out the fatted calf for slaughter, essentially. That's why it's in the parade and why it was the first float for Rex so many years ago. But uh, interestingly, uh, back before Mardi Gras was integrated in the 70s and 80s, made a
5: Do you have any sense for how big an impact um, Mardi Gras is for uh, for tourism for New Orleans and, and Louisiana? It must be huge.
4: Do you know how they actually are able to determine the size of the crowd and hence the economic impact to the city, how they determine that? No. Um, at the end of Mardi Gras, they weigh the garbage. Really? They it on the weight of the garbage from the street.
5: That's amazing.
4: I know, it's kind of disgusting at the same time, but uh, that's how they do it.
5: I was just—I I was just reading something about, and I—I I don't know if it was—I I, want to say it was about New Orleans. Wasn't there something in the news recently about trying to bury garbage underground? Somehow. Oh, that's interesting. I don't—I don't know. I do know that interesting came up this year that
4: they've been the big deal is that the storm sewers are clogged. You know, it's an antiquated system. The city's three hundred years old, so they've been doing massive infrastructure um, work on the city, especially to the drainage and to the streets. Matter of fact, Bourbon Street right now is completely torn up in advance of this bicentennial celebration. They're rushing to try to get it finished because the drainage had to be completely redone down Bourbon Street. But uh, the they found like in the storm drains along the parade
5: route, something like 98 million tons of bees or something ridiculously huge. Yeah, yeah, I saw that.
4: Trapped, trapped in the storm cellar. I'm not, I mean, Don't quote me on that number, but it's a ridiculously high number. And I, I was just shocked. I'm like, how, how could they have not been aware that this would be a factor in terms of the drainage? But it is, and they're, they're finally dealing with that. And, Pulling all that crap out, so the, the storm sewers will work more effectively. But I, I'm finding here, uh, 2014 Mardi Gras season contributed 465
5: million dollars to the New Orleans economy. Yeah. So yeah, right around
4: half a half a billion dollars. And uh, now this is kind- I don't know if that's how
5: accurate that number is. If it's you know within a certain range of accuracy or what, but that's still a pretty high number. Um, this is sort of parenthetical, but in the early days, it was uh, a lot of the the floats were very ornate and and made of paper mache. Yes, are they are they still made of paper mache, or is there more fiberglass and other more du- durable materials? Because I would think weather would be a real factor. Uh, yeah, they use, uh,
4: they try to use, obviously, weatherproof materials as best they can. And they've changed the style of float design. There used to be just really one main company that did it, uh, Blankern uh, Artists were the company that were in charge of most of the, did most of the crews. They do, certainly do racks. You know, and you can see the style of, He's done work, Blaine Kern has done work for the Disney Co- Corporation. He's a sure. very prominent artist, and you can see his style, and you know which floats the Blaine Kern floats by the way the faces look, and you can just kind of tell that he uh, really reinvented uh, float design, and now they have these mammoth three, like the length of three tractor trailers, Oh, man. to say how
5: many uh, how many Mardi Gras parades have you participated in over the years
4: Yeah. You'd go down, and you catch like three during the day and three at night on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You know that's how it, from Friday through Tuesday, that's how intense it becomes until it's like a you know it climax, Everything climaxes on Tuesday with the Brexit parade. So yeah, it's it's, it's an interesting tradition.
5: What and, um, what happens if the if the weather goes bad? What what? I was just going to say, weather is such a factor.
4: I mean, they they work around it. You know, if if weather is predicted to be bad, they'll roll earlier. They roll the parades earlier around the weather, or they'll postpone them until after it's over with. Matter of fact, we had a big one postponed on Saturday, and then it rolled at the same time as the Super
5: Bowl. Oh, man. (laughs) It was a ticket. People were torn into about what to do. I bet. And, uh, but when you've got millions of people, you know that are visiting the area, and and I have to think that it's more than a million people, and and the parade doesn't roll, do they just pour into restaurants and bars and celebrate anyway.
4: Yes, that's, for the French Quarter. So many attractions here now. The French Quarter is still you know packed with people. It's wall to wall people. It's, so there's plenty of other things to do, live music, um, restaurants, like you said, um, uh, other you know, major attractions right around the city center, like the aquarium is a really popular place to go, the uh, World War National World War II Museum is right there, and that draws a huge crowd because it's ranked number two in the world of music. I don't know by whom, unfortunately, but they advertise that they're the number two museum internationally, uh, and it's a gigantic growing complex. So, you know, there's lots of other um, venues that draw tourists um, Sure. in the event it were to rain. But people just make their own party. You know, uh, I I have a friend who's rented the presidential suite, and... um, having a party, uh, had a party, has been having a party since Friday. (laughs) 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 So it just never seems to end. So there's that going on, too, in the background, in people's homes, along the parade route, uh, in bars and restaurants. They're jam-packed.
5: Well, there's no place to let the good times roll like New Orleans. And, and Chris, thanks so much for... uh, Tripping down memory lane with me a little bit about uh, Mardi Gras in in uh, New Orleans and the many uh, traditions that surround this uh, this event. I appreciate it.
4: Always a pleasure, Tom. Thanks so much for having me on the show.
5: All right, we'll uh, take a short break. And we'll be back with more of the Tom Sumner program right after this.
2: Going to New Orleans. This time I'm walking to New Orleans I'm walking to New Orleans I need to buy shoes When I get through walking these shoes Yes, I'm walking to New Orleans Got my suitcase in my hand Stay i
3: walking to New
2: Orleans. Tom Show.
3: oh yeah. Hey, <laughs> this is the Unknown Comic, and guess what, you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now, and now,
4: and now too, and even now.
3: This is our shot. Now it's up to you.
5: Hey, this is Tom. Most of the music you hear on the Tom Sumner program is provided by local artists. Tune in Fridays for live music and conversation with some of the area's most talented singers, songwriters, and performers. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Harper. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis.
2: Hi, this is Rochelle Ray.
5: Hi there folks, this is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office.
2: I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemptail.
5: The Town Sumner program celebrating the rich talent pool from Flint, Genesee County, and throughout Michigan.
4: Hello? Honey, it's Dana.
6: Dana? Something must be wrong. She never calls. Dana? What's wrong?
5: Take this down. She's stranded on the side of the road. I'm not. She needs us to send her an Amazon gift card. I don't. And she'll use it to pay the tow truck driver.
6: I won't. Mom, dad, that's not me. It's a scam. Scam artists will call, text, or email people trying to get them to buy a gift card from Amazon or some other company, and then ask for the gift card number over the phone. Remember, gift cards are for gifting, not for paying people. If someone asks for payment using a gift card from Amazon, Target, or some other store, it's a scam. Hang up or delete the message. These scammers
1: are awful. Wish they'd pretend to be her brother sometimes. Be nice to hear from
6: him. For more tips on avoiding scams, visit Michigan.gov slash AG for your connection to consumer protection.
5: Hey, welcome back, everybody! More with David and Rosalind from New Orleans. Well, I want to make sure. I, I want to make sure that I have uh, some time left to play some music by you guys, but I but I did want to ask because I, I looked at your uh, Facebook page, and it looks like you haven't been there for a while. But you have a website. Do you uh, do you keep up with that? Do you check for? Oh,
1: that's me. We got to pay for that too. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, we didn't do that. It's June fifteenth, I think. Well.
2: So yeah. Well they'll cut us off
4: on the fifteenth. Oh. Yeah, we, we, we just did a bunch of work on the website and it's got a lot of pictures, a million pictures on there. Other than that, I don't know. Not quite a million
1: pictures, but it's got a lot of information on
5: it. Well, I know. I went through a bunch of pictures and, and there are some really great ones there. But do you but do people contact you through there? Do you, is it a good I'm place sorry. for is it a good place for people to go to find out more about you and stuff?
1: Well, to find out more about us, yeah, but if they want to get a hold of us, give them a call, 504-931-9824. 504-931-9824. 504-931-9824. Yeah,
5: the, the
1: thing about calling nine four nine three zero zero one is that it fills up with crap so fast. I mean, like, they're still calling us and telling us that we owe, um, uh, this, university the and we paid that off I, I got a call from that today they said we would like to help you to, to pay off your oh, uh, we, college college loan and they went hung up <laughs> did that Been there? We, done that. well
2: you should talk to them maybe they get us a refund we <laughs> <laughs> paid it off <laughs> no, I don't think we,
1: we paid it off the government give amnesty to those
2: who hadn't
5: paid yet well, for people who want to get in touch with you, um, the phone number is on the website, and uh, there are some great pictures there. What is the website?
1: Davidandroseland. Uh, David and or
5: davidn. I don't
1: remember. It's either Davidand or David, N. Davis, The letter N, capital N. And Roseland. Or Davidandroseland. <clears throat> and I'm not sure if it's .com or .org.
5: But I imagine if people oh. Google it, they'll get right to it.
1: Oh, yeah. You, 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 you can pull us up. And um, we have a car. We have a real car, and we can travel. Oh, oh yeah, you saw a car last summer. <laughs> yeah. No we, that we no, we didn't have that car. No, we didn't have
5: car last No, you had a van. Yeah, we
4: had a van, and then when we saw you last time, you never
2: saw the car. It was an old, beat-up,
1: rusted-out, <laughs> uh, Michiganized
5: Plymouth, which was a great little car. And it was a gift, which was even greater. Oh, yeah. Anyway, I... I I want to get some of your music in, so we we need to sign off. But have a have a great uh, Mardi Gras gig, and uh, I would just wish you both all the best.
2: Thanks,
1: um, uh, which, what you going to play? There's a Mardi Gras song on uh, the Carnival. on Carnival. It's
5: pretty well, wild. Okay. then oh. that's what we're so going to hear.
1: Yeah, I think it might be called uh, Carnival. Um, play, play the second part of it, which is totally
5: insane. <laughs> okay, sounds uh, good. All right, thanks, guys. All right. Thanks take, for calling. All right, take care. The <laughs> Let the good times roll. Hey, Amen. Hey, <laughs> all right. Nobody can understand that in French. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just can't say it. I understand it when people say it, but I, I can't say it. <laughs> anyway, we'll be back with more of the Tom Sumner program right after this. <music>
2: In, then we could really try. I think that's his polite way of saying when I learned how to play the harmonica. <laughs> <That's your> guess <laughs> I heard you. Real clear. Didn't you hear? Oh, no, I'm down here in New Orleans. You are? I'm hungry. You're always hungry. I've been out there couch part heads all night long. But well, you know, when I'm in New Orleans, I make it a point. To get getting one thing to eat immediately upon a You know what it is? Jump the tonight I'm gonna see Mom sharing me up. I am gonna have you on the got joy, got gold, we
3: time. We're just about uh, wrapped up for today's uh, Mardi Gras edition of the Tom Sumner program. Spent the last two hours commemorating uh, Mardi Gras with a uh, conversation with author um, Investigative journalist, filmmaker, author of uh, City of a Million Dreams about the 300th anniversary or birthday, rather, of uh, New Orleans. Jason Berry, that was in the middle of our three hour tour, and of course, this last hour, we spent some time with CQ Scafidi talking about the history of Mardi Gras in New Orleans and. uh, Also talking uh, a little bit with David and Rosalind, who uh, we always feature, because uh, Rosalind's from here in Flint, but uh, lives with David down in New Orleans, where they are street musicians, and uh, they roll with uh, Rex on uh, Mardi Gras on uh, Fat Tuesday. And I want to say thanks to uh, Jeff Schneider, author of The Serpent Papers, who we started out with, at the beginning today. Tomorrow's Armchair Politics will start out with economist Chris Douglas and follow that up with Mark Everson joining our roundtable regulars. Well, enjoy your punch keys and uh, good night, everybody.
0: The Tom Sumner program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions.